Blog Talk Radio. Listen, I, I say you, you, you have wisdom, you know, and, 
and I would trade my little bit of knowledge with your wisdom any day. <laughs> <laughs> but um, before we before we begin, man, how are you feeling, man? How's how's everything going on in Mr. Blackwell's life? Uh, everything is going on well. I'm fully vaccinated. I uh, had my second uh, Pfizer shot. I am good to go. Um, other than that, you know, just enjoying life. I heard that. I heard that. I get my shot, my schedule on May the 1st <laughs> at one thirty. All right. <laughs> so, you know, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it because it's, you know, it's something that we have to have, especially knowing that we deal with the public. You know, we're out there. We don't want to take a chance on us being the cause of someone getting something. Unfortunately, you know, I did not receive it. No no one close to me did not. Um, so that's definitely a blessing considering as much as we out there. Yes, yeah, same here. Same here. I've been fortunate enough not to uh, be around it, and uh, that's why I said let me jump on the va- vaccination as soon as possible. And that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Now, just to, just to, you know, before we get into this year and get into the evaluation, just to pick your brain. Now, I know last year when the workouts uh, was canceled, when the scouting combine, when they had theirs, they like, just got their work, their combine in right before everything was cut. And I was hoping, I was praying that it wouldn't have led to that, and it did. And so instantly it was, I was filled with a bunch of emotions. I, I was upset, you know, I was, you know, I was hurt all because I was thinking about the small school guys. And then looking at the big picture, I got over it because I know that safety is the most important thing. And then just made some adjustments. And, you know, as far as adjusting, you know, I always looked at video, always looked at film anyway, did my homework, but not seeing the players um, face-to-face, you know, actually out there seeing them, touching them. That was the part that was eliminated. Um, that was my perspective. For when everything was canceled and you saw the way how things was going on last year, what went through your mind? What were some of the things that went through your mind? What were your what was your thoughts during that process? Well, actually, uh, it was my staple. Like it, it, it's it's the thing that let me know that COVID was really really serious. You know, mm-hmm. um, I was like, wait a minute, like we canceled all the workouts and like, but the draft is coming up, and and I was just I was really uh, taken back by it, and then. Uh, once it was canceled and it was official that it wasn't going to be rescheduled, like I, I actually took COVID a whole lot more serious. Um, but that was my my thoughts. Like I, said, I felt for the guys, and I was just I was still in in a kind of a stage of denial. I was actually thinking that, you know, it was just going to get rescheduled. You know, and we're going to get it in before the draft, so these guys could be properly evaluated and 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 have their opportunity. But no way I thought that they would just lose a complete year, you know. So, mm-hmm. so that was that was what I I, I dealt with. Right, I felt the same exact way because I was thinking, you know, maybe they may slide, you know, something in, you know, because if they if they felt as though they can, that was during the time when there was discussion of the bubble, for the NBA, and I was thinking, right. well, if they can do something like that in the last minute for these players, that would be great. And the part that um, that I know you share the same sentiment that, you know, we just hate to see players get overlooked. And knowing that the big schools, and there's nothing wrong, nothing against the big schools, you know, those players, they did what they were supposed to do and had the opportunities to go to a powerhouse school, power five school, power conference to get there. So definitely not knocking those young men for that opportunity. 
but you always have, you know, some other players that had the opportunity to go to that school. But because of what happened with SATs or family, whatever personal thing happened, they had to go and go to a smaller school. And one of the things with the smaller school, and it's one of the things I talked about on the podcast before, was that when you have players that came out five-star, four-star recruit, um, getting, you know, the accolades to go to a power school, but because of things happen, when they go to a smaller school, the school don't have the funding, don't have the workout, they don't, I mean, they don't have the facilities, they don't have the fields like a big-time school, and the competition of, of players they go up against is a lot less than who they've been playing for if they went to a Power 5 school. But because of that, their skill set sort of diminished to try to be on the same par with those players whose skill level is a little lower than theirs, and then when it's time for those guys to be eligible for the draft, it's like now they have to make up for trying to get to where they were at, where they first got noticed to go to a power school, and then all of a sudden, because they had lacked up everything, they wound up finding themselves not good enough to get to the league when they initially, when they started their collegiate career, where they actually had a chance of getting to the NFL. When you see these small school guys and when you actually evaluated them, do oftentimes go into your mind of like what if or what happened with this player, especially if you knew that that young man had an opportunity to go to a big time um, program. That's yeah, that's right. I I, I look at them and I, and I say, oh man, you know, because sometimes you can see something inside of a guy that maybe he doesn't see himself, or maybe he's just a year behind. Like you know, he might need a uh, a year of, of more training. Where a guy who went to a Power Five school, you know, that training started when he walked in the door as a freshman. So the smaller schools don't necessarily have the ability to train a guy year round and put him on a proper diet. Um, you know, and, and and it's just a fact. So, you know, going to the smaller schools, you know, you 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 feel for them because I'm I'm human and, and I'm I enjoy evaluating, I enjoy what I do. But I also want, you know, if it was up to me, uh, everybody would get a get a chance, you know. Um, right. I would mm-hmm. never have to have to say this guy is not good enough or tall enough or whatever. But but that's mm-hmm. not reality. Right. So when I look at that's look true. at it from that point, you know, you you when you go back and and as people like yourself go back and reveal to me and other NFL guys like this 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 small school guy's story, and you're like, wait a minute, you know, he was. He was recruited to or no Ohio State, really? And then what happened? And then you get into this story and you find out, oh, like you say, it might have been the SATs or might have been some unfortunate incident. And then you're like, wow, well, this guy is already sparking my interest now, but he's coming from a smaller school where he might not have been properly trained, properly coached, you know. And, and I think that's the biggest bridge between uh, the Power Five schools and small schools is the level of coaching and the amount of coaches, you know. So sometimes when I go to smaller schools to visit, I see that they have a four-man staff, you know. Uh, and then you go to a Power 5 school and they got a 23-man staff. You know, mm-hmm. all of that stuff matters, you know, especially yeah. with numbers. So so, so I, that, I do feel for those guys. I mean, I feel for them. And that's why, you know, you're kind of like, you know, in the background really pulling for one of those guys to just make it because you understand the road that they've been on. And that road isn't as easy as people think, you know. 
You're right about that. That is that is true. That was well said. You definitely nailed it on that way. I'm um, listening to a lot to talk on the Bachelor, Bachelor News Radio Network, where you hear about NFL starts tomorrow. Today, I'm your host Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of LockerDashboard.com. We're speaking with Executive Director of HBCU Combine and NFL Regional Combine Director Phil Blackwell. All uh, right, Phil, you was actually a part of something very special um, this year, a couple of weeks, with the the HBCU Combine. It's not the one that was sanctioned through NFL football operations, which operations was going to have last year, but because of COVID, of course, we know it was canceled. But someone went out their way to still have a workout for the um, HBCU Combine. And just to give you some numbers before we um, take a break in a couple of minutes, that last year's listing for the um, for the HBCU Combine through NFL football operations, um, the players they had on there, nine of those players actually – at some point signed with NFL teams after the 2020 draft. Only one player from the HBCU level that was drafted last year, and that was uh, Latarius Simpson from Tennessee State, who was an offensive uh-huh. uh, left tackle. So he's, he, got, he got drafted by the Chicago Bears and the other eight players. Now, some of the players did stay on for the rest of the season, like with your Bobby Price, cornerback from um, Nickel State, um, then you had um, a guy named Chris um, Boswell, who came from Tennessee State, was with the Atlanta Falcons all season long. And then we had some other players that had signed on, like Alex um, Taylor, uh, South, uh, South Carolina State linebacker, who was actually the only HBCU player invited to the Scotty Combine last year. He actually signed as a free agent with the Cleveland Browns. And so most of those players still stayed on primarily on special, I mean, on, on practice squads. When we look at the league in itself, have a little over 1,700 players. Phil, all of last year, the most they had in the league was 32 players for the HBCU platform that was in the NFL. And they they actually wound up finished with, with 31 at the right. end of the season, with 31 players out of 1,700 players. So the need for HBCU players is definitely something that needs to, you know, be heightened. I mean, it's, it's really embarrassing knowing that, you know, the, the players at the schools. And, yes, we know some of them are underfunded things. We get that. But at the same time, the talent is there. They're not really looking into it. You know, the scouts really taking it as serious. Um, we're going to take a quick break. I just said all that stuff just to put those numbers into your head. I'm going to come back gotcha. with a quick pause. And we're going to come back. We're going to talk about your thoughts on that. And then you're going to tell us what you saw at the ACCU Combine I'll mention some players. You just tell me your your feedback, your experience from being there. What some of those things that that you was that if you had the opportunity opportunity to be in front of 32 of the director of personnel for all 32 teams, what would Black uh, Phil Blackwell say to those people? You listen to lots of talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you want real discussions on politics, social issues, racial issues, and other topics. Then tune into the Bachelor News Radio Show. Listen live every Monday and Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. And if you miss the show, you can listen every Monday through Saturday at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern. And every Sunday at 5 a.m. and 3 p.m. at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Listen and be informed.
on the Fashion News Radio Network. We're here about NFL starts tomorrow. Today, I'm your host, Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of Lockadashport.com. But make sure you guys always, always stay locked in on the BastionNewsRadio.com, where the site is loaded with fantastic shows, fantastic shows like the Donaldson Files with Tom Donaldson and Coco Koshny. Tom and Coco discuss politics on the right and the left while giving you entertainment news and guests. Listen to them every Tuesday and every Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 7 um, p.m. on the BastionNewsRadio.com. Now, Phil, he gave those awesome numbers, and we're joined with Phil, Phil, Black, Phil Blackwell, who's the executive director of the HBCU Combine and uh, NFL Regional Combine director for the NFL football operations. And, uh, Phil, before we went into break, I threw out some numbers about the HBCU players and the effect in the NFL. If you had an opportunity to sit before 32 of the NFL um, um, directors of personnel for each team, what would you say to those people? Yes, talking about hey you know, the ACC. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you. I, I said yes, I would. First thing I would tell tell them is that the talent is there. It's it's, it's at the HBCU level. Um, you might have to uh, invest a year into a guy just to hone his skills, um, just to like maybe kind of catch him up. But if he the physical attributes are there, guy will meet the measurables, the speed. Um, he just might not have the overall experience that a, a guy at a Power Five school has. So from a business standpoint, you could get an HBCU guy and actually, you know, because the talent is there and you need to develop them over a year, you could actually pay them a little bit less than a, than a guy coming mm-hmm. from a Power Five school. Um, I'm not saying – I don't want your listeners to think I'm saying HBCU guys are, are worthless, but because you have to invest more into them financially – you have to invest more training and 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 more teaching into them. You can you can you know negotiate a lower contract, and you know through the years, of, you know this guy might develop into your your Jerry Rice, you know your Walter Paytons, you know. Um, so I would just let every every team know to uh, don't don't snub HBCUs, um, and and that is also another reason why. I know uh, schools don't want to go to all small schools, you know, talking about scouts, uh, just because of numbers. But that was our reason for for putting together the HBCU Combine, you know, just to give the teams one location to look at some of the top HBCU players. Right. That that is true. And I like that approach, you know, not saying that HBCU players collectively cannot play in the league, but there is a deficit that you do have to put a little bit more into them because of the lack of everything they experience on their playing level. Uh, but at the same time, there are players there that can actually excel and actually flip that switch a lot quicker than most of them. And the workouts that, that she was at in um, um, Alabama, that was one of those examples. And we had some players that was there like, you know, from um, Bethune Cookman, you know, you got a Jimmy Robinson. And then you have, you know, Deontay Tucker, who's on the small side, like, you know, Tyreek Cohen, but very, very explosive back. 
you know, coming from Prairie and A&M, you know, so, so a couple of those players. What were some of the players that was there? Who were some of the players that jumped off the page for you that you said that, hey, you know, these guys should at least at least get a phone call right after um, the 2021 draft? Oh, man, uh, I can say name two right off the top of my head, and you just named one of them, Jimmy Robinson. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. He ran a, a he ran an awesome forty yard dash twice, you know both mm-hmm. um, hand times of four two nine four two eight, and the laser was was right there with it with four three both times. So, you know he was there. His routes were nice and precise and and crisp, along with his speed. Um, he had a vertical jump, I think, of like 42 inches. Uh, don't quote me on it because I don't have the stats in front of me. But I know he also had a broad jump of like 11-2 uh, or something like that. You know, so so this guy, this guy coming from a Power 5 school with just those measurables and, 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 and those times, you know, he, he definitely would have, you know, been a, a high draft considerable pick, especially since as a receiver, he ran great routes. He had he had the hands, um, you know. So it was easily to just consider it. The one downside, well, I'm gonna say two downsides. One downside was he, he's not very tall. I think I think mm-hmm. he measured in at five steps. Okay, mm-hmm. like you said, Tariq Cohen and and some of the you know the, the the shorter guys that have played in the NFL at at the receiver position going as far back as Jermaine Lewis, you know, from University of Maryland. Um, Jimmy Robinson, to me, would be a great return specialist, you know, uh, just get the ball in his hands with his, his size. I mean, that, that's an attribute when, you know, on, on kick return and punt return, you know, that he can, you know, avoid guys real quick and, and his type of speed, you know. Um, he reminds me of um, the uh, Dolphins player, uh, Jakeem, uh, I can't think of his last name, but it's uh, right. Which, yeah, he's number nineteen. Jakeem Grant, I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jakeem Grant. Yeah, so he reminds me a lot of him. The other player uh, was Tristan Wallace, mm-hmm. and Tristan Wallace, uh, man, he he was a, a receiver. I think he came in at like six three, two hundred and thirty three mm-hmm. pounds. Um, he didn't run the 40, but he did do everything else. He had a broad jump of 10, 10, 10 foot 10. He had a 36-inch vertical, and um, his routes were, I mean, it was, like, it was like he and Jimmy Robinson were, were there together to steal the show. And then once they mm-hmm. stole the show, they started competing against each other. You know, it was more like, if you can do that, I can do this better, you know. And, mm. and, and, and all of us, all of us evaluators, everybody in the building was just completely glued to those two guys during, mm. during their session. And, wow. you know, I mean, uh, but then I find out later, you know, that, you know, Trisha Wallace ha- has a history. He has a story. Um, yeah. but, but, but the best thing about it, he's overcome his story, you know, talking to his coaches, talking to everybody that, you know, this guy has, has done everything that needed to be done uh, to, to, to clear his past, and he mm-hmm. wound up at an HBCU. He's a transfer from University of Oregon, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, full scholarship player. So he was a power five guy, you know, right. that, that, you know, 
had an unfortunate incident and then wound up at a HBCU and he did what he was supposed to do by stepping down to an HBCU and, and you know, his stats and everything don't necessarily measure how good he is because like we said, mm-hmm. the issue at HBCUs, you know, is is the talent level that he's playing with, playing against, you know, um, the the you know, coaching and all that. You know, he, he he just probably did not have the uh, opportunity to show everything that he had. Right, absolutely. And he's one of those players, <clears throat> excuse me, that I was talking about for his power five school, then had to go to a small school because of the situation. Because and initially he was actually a quarterback, and he was actually going to Ohio State. He was um, one of um, 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 Urban Meyer's guys that he was recruiting from Texas to be that quarterback at Ohio State. And then that's when he decided not to go to Ohio State, and that's when he went to Oregon. And so he was a oh, he was okay. actually convert from a quarterback to a wide receiver. And when he went to um, went to ACC, went to uh, uh, Prairie View A and M, that's when he became that's when he actually changed the position over for a wide receiver. So he was one of those guys that felt subject to that. And was still the best thing about with him is that he was still able to maintain you know, his his talent level and actually peaked his talent level up a little higher. It's almost just like with um, Deontay Swans, um, Francois. When he came in, when he stepped on the scene in 2016 with Florida State, I thought for sure, okay, Florida State going to win another national title with this guy here. But things right. happened, domestic situation with an old girlfriend, tried to walk on the floor right. Atlantic. That didn't work out, wound up finishing at Hampton. And he had a good virtual pro day last year. And the thing that you mentioned about with with um, Robinson is that his virtual pro day that he had last year, those numbers were still the same numbers he did a year ago, which was amazing to see that he was still able to keep that that talent level and keep that skill set after one year removed and not really playing no football. That really says a lot about him being able to, you know, be professional, still have his eyes on the prize, and then hopefully that by the 21st, I mean, after the draft, that he'll either get his name called or get that phone call right after the draft. Uh, we're talking with uh, Phil Blackwell, executive director at HBCU Combine, and also NFL Regional Combine director. Uh, before I let you go, Phil, got a couple of minutes. When you got that offer to run this combine, how did that make you feel individually to, to finally get recognized on a national level to handle something of this magnitude? Oh wow! Um, I, I was I was honored. I was honored because I've always wanted to help HBCU players um, and coaches, you know, get better. And I just took it in stride. Like I just I just said, okay, all right, cool. When do I start? How do I start? And uh, we went from there. And you know, just looking at the guys, we went through an evaluation process of what guys to even bring. So since the NFL did not do the combine last year. I mean the HBCU combine. We invite we were, we invited those 50 from last year, minus the guys that were um, you know did get picked up by the teams as you said earlier. So we wound up inviting about 40 guys from last year, and we invited 50 guys from this year. You know that that were already on NFL teams' radar. So we didn't go out and just pick people. We invited guys that. NFL teams have already expressed some type of interest in. So I just grabbed mm-hmm. that and, and ran with it, you know, and 
just just you know since the NFL had planned this year also to do it, but you know due to COVID and you know they canceled all combines. Um, I just said let's just go ahead and put it on and let's let's at least give these guys an opportunity and we can get all the information that we take and give it to all the teams. So it was it was just a matter of, of helping uh, the NFL um, get a chance to get the information that they needed on these guys. And like a guy like Jimmy Smith, I mean, Jimmy Robinson, it was great to see that you know to let let teams know a year later he's still running as fast, he's still as crisp in his routes, and you know he's still good. So you might want to look at the free agency. And I told a lot of the players in attendance. That I, I was hoping that they just get the uh, I don't know if you want to call it the bubble or the COVID. You know those extra slots NFL teams have where they got the players staying in hotels, and mm-hmm. you know because um, it panned out for the Washington uh, Football Club last year because when they went to the playoffs, the quarterback that they had sitting in a hotel that was uh, their quarterback for the playoffs. So even if a guy gets that type of uh, recognition or side with, with a team just to do that, I think that that makes the whole HBCU Combine a, a success. Absolutely. I agree for 100%. Uh, Phil, man, thanks a lot for coming on. I wish I had more time with you, but we'll definitely talk. You know, looking forward to probably having you come on probably sometime during the summer, you know, after everything is wrapped up, getting ready for the NFL season. So thanks a lot, man, for your time, for coming on, man. I really, greatly appreciate you. I'll be talking to you soon. No problem. I appreciate you having me. You got it, brother. Thank you so much. Um, thank you, everyone, right. for tuning in. To, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Lock of Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network dot com, where you guys can always check the show out twenty four seven anytime at your leisure. Again, my name is Barry Barnes. Thank you for tuning in. You guys can always, always shoot me, you know, follow me on any one of my social handles on Twitter at Lock underscore Report on Facebook dot com. And also Lock the Talk podcast on Facebook and on YouTube. So make sure you guys go and subscribe to the channel there. Everyone stay blessed and be safe out there.